0: Drew, I heard you in the hallway motivate this team. What did you say in that locker room? I said, I don't give a flying F what
1: happens at the end of the game. Whether we lose or win, we're not going out as no... Soft guys, leave it all on the floor because it could be your last 20. And hey, man, if you go all out and we still lose, play with no regrets. And uh, we took that to heart. And uh, you know, we came out with the win, fortunately. But give credit to Memphis, man. They they really brought it in the way they turned their season around. is pretty remarkable. Andrew. Welcome to Beers and Buckets, the podcast for degenerates like us who love basketball and drinking beer, part of the Basketball Podcast Network, where you can get the latest on your favorite teams and what is happening around the NBA and NCAA. I'm your host, Connor Caldwell, and I'm joined by Dal Harmon. Dal, do you remember that 21st night in September when we recorded an episode of Beers and Buckets? I
2: do. I do. Because yeah, it's tonight. That's a good one, though. I didn't even think that. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I've been waiting all go. day.
1: <laughs> I've
2: been waiting literally all day. How you doing, um, man? I'm doing well. Uh got back from a cookout with some friends to do this. Uh, I'm interested also, uh, I I know we've talked a little bit about it, but this is our last uh, like preview
1: episode in terms of yeah. themes. So I'm excited to see kind of what's next. Yeah, um, I'm I'm thinking we'll we'll probably do just conference by like conference at this point and overview. Like it was we did top twenty five teams, but you know, like we didn't talk about some of the teams that probably will be in the top twenty five that weren't last year. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about those teams and just as conferences as a whole and give our expectations for that for sure. So can't wait to get into it. We'll have to plan it out a little bit more this week, but uh, tonight we have a great episode lined up. Already recorded our interview, so I'm excited for you guys to hear that when we get to yes, it. Yes, sir. But before we do that, let's talk about the beer, man. What are you drinking tonight? Um, so
2: I went to a store in Lexington and was going through looking at their their options and saw here. I'll hold the the box up. Saw this this nice little looking T Rex boy, uh, and I was like, "Hey, I recognize that beer." Cause a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually, at this point, probably a couple of months ago, I was in Des Moines for a like work trip because that's where my company is headquartered, mm-hmm. and we got a bunch of beer that had T Rexes on it. I was like, "Oh, that's that same brewery." So, got it. It is a it's from Toppling Goliath uh, Brewing Company, which is in Decorah, Iowa, uh, and a bunch of their stuff has. T-Rexes and other dinosaurs on it. Um, I had the, like, this is called the King Sue. It's a double IPA. We had one that is like, like this, but was green and purple. And I think it's the step below and it's just the normal IPA. Um, so I got this one since I hadn't tried it yet. Uh, it says it's a hazy double IPA with mango, orange, and pineapple. Um, as well as the, the citra hop, which I feel like is one that like every IPA uses. Um, yeah. But while Connor's doing his, I'll look up everything on untapped for this because I forgot to do that. Uh, but here, let's give it a try. Ooh, that's pretty good. It's definitely smoother than I thought for a for, double it's Ipa. being a double
1: IPA. Yeah, it's um I mean crushable probably not it's probably pretty low in the crushable scale. Crushable for an IPA or just not crushable at all? Oh, I mean, if it's, yeah, if we're doing the IPA crushable scale, it's,
2: it's honestly pretty crushable. This is way less, like, I don't know, strong than I was expecting.
1: Pleasant surprise for you then. There you go. Yes, definitely, definitely. You know, like there's that, I love that meme that's like kids will turn like three or four years old and base their entire personality on one of these three things. And it's like dinosaurs, trucks, or some, I can't remember what the third one is, but it's like dinosaurs and trucks. And that's, and so were you, were you a dinosaur kid when you when you were like three or four years old now? Oh, of course. I want to be yeah. a paleontologist
2: more than like anything in my entire existence.
1: <laughs> I love Jurassic Park I love, except for the scary scenes, got to skip those, yeah, yeah. But Velociraptors um, were
2: like easily my favorite. Triceratops, ah, yeah. uh, I can go on and on.
1: It just sucks when you find out they were probably like more like a bird than they were like a lizard, you know. And there Not was that realization, really cool. yeah, it's just a little, little different than what you expect. Them, but whoa, 4.3 on Untapped. Wow, usually it's in like the three point. Four 3. to three point seven, yeah, like yeah,
2: that's super high. It is a one hundred on the IBU scale, which is extremely surprising as well. Extremely and up-y. Is seven point eight ABV, uh, mm. so it's pretty strong. And it's a sixteen ounce, not a twelve ounce.
1: Yeah, so not quite a tall boy, but um, not a shorty either. Exactly. Yeah, it's a wing. <laughs> it's a wing. If we're doing, if we're comparing it to basketball positions, <laughs> it's a it's a wing beer. Yeah, yeah. Not a post player, not a not a not a backcourt player. (laughs) Exactly, it's (laughs) it's not a big transition baby. All for transition. (laughs) That's right. Um, So, I am drinking tonight the the patriarchy. So it's Duclaw out of uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, It's it's a chocolate cherry uh, dessert stout. It's nine point four ABV, forty five IBUs, and it's a three point eight seven on Untapped. So. Um, not entirely sure how I'm going to like it, but you know what? I wanted to do something instead of like, cause there was like 50 things I could have gotten that I liked. I wanted to give you guys a real authentic reaction to what I'm going to be drinking tonight. I've done a stout before. It was the peanut butter, chocolate stout. I enjoyed that. So let's see if I go two for two on stouts on this podcast. So let's, let's try this. Well, I spilled it on my shirt. I'll be changing that. You it's for wearing a football shirt on a basketball podcast. It's yeah, true. Uh, it's very much a, um, a dessert beer and I don't hate it. It kind of reminds me of the, the chocolate peanut butter stout that I had way back when we did that episode. I don't hate it. I'm not, not entirely sure that I love it, uh, but I do see how people would like it. Um, and, I mean, it's pretty good. It's a tall boy, not a tall boy. It's a 16 ounce as well. So we said it's a wing player here, uh, but I, I don't know, like I'll probably drink a half of it this tonight and I have three more or whatever in the fridge. So at some point they'll get, they'll get consumed, but it says to serve it with a generous slice of crumbly cake. And that would be pretty good with this. I'm not going to lie. Uh, that'd be, that be very good with it. So it's very decadent, very dark, but it's not, and it's not like super tart either, though. It says like it says crafted with tart cherry, but it's not super tart. It's not super like puckery. Uh, more smooth than a Guinness, so yeah, I'm 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 about it. Uh, comparing it to something college basketball, it, it's kind of like uh, pretty much any of the blue buds besides like Kentucky this year. What like because they've been more on track. Like it's kind of like Duke football, you know, like kind of surprising, but, you know, at the same time, it's not built to last, you know? So I'm going to go with like Duke football here instead of basketball because we're still in football season right now. And hey,
2: uh, yeah. We we hate Duke on this podcast. Not really. We like Duke, uh,
1: especially Duke update.
2: But yeah, uh, Duke's football coach now was a defensive coordinator and I was at Wake, Mike Alco. And like is one of the few coaches that I have literally never heard anyone say a single bad word about him like not even oh he was like kind of a jerk sometimes or like no bad words have been spoken to me about Mike Alco uh, so I'm kind of rooting for Duke football uh,
1: there you go this year yeah, I mean like I'd rather for Duke football than UNC football but true especially yeah. with dumb Luke May's little brother <laughs> leading the helm Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what are you comparing your beer to basketball or anything, honestly? Just what are you comparing it to? Um, So
2: (laughs) since we started making the 3&D jokes, I was thinking it was DeAndre Hunter from Virginia. I feel like he gives off the vibe of being from somewhere in the Midwest. He's uh, kind of the prototypical wing that you have in college basketball. Uh, So I'm going to go DeAndre Hunter as as my comp.
1: I like. I don't know where he's comparison. actually from.
2: He's probably not from Midwest,
1: but probably not. But probably not. But so now I've been listening to a lot. He's, he's from Philly. That's like <laughs> the most opposite of the Midwest yeah, that there is. Def- definitely not Midwest. Now, first of all, not a plug for Spotify. It's a plug for Raycon. But I, Spotify has audiobooks now, dude. Like. I am so hyped. Yes, Spotify has audiobooks now. So, yeah, like, life just got so much sweeter because I love me a good audiobook, and I've been listening to a lot of them, and it's been great. One of the reasons it's been so great is because I use Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, like, at all. Trust me, they don't budge. Raycons give you uh, eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons' everyday earbuds are have over 50,000 five-star reviews. There's different features that are awesome about them. The noise isolation one is pretty cool. I like the customizable sound profiles because when I'm listening to Tyler Childers, it's a lot different than when I'm listening to an audiobook versus when I'm listening to, like, you know, some... Grove Street Party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Grove Street Party because Kentucky just won by 30. Uh, So, yeah, it's totally different. Uh, But you guys should definitely check them out. There's different profiles, like I said, that you could use, and there's product details in the in our um, in our show notes that you can check it out as well. So go to buyraycon.com today. Use code TBPN15 to get 15% of off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com code TBPN15. All right. Connor, how are you doing in fantasy football so far? One and one, baby. But I made an awesome trade today. Actually, so, two trades. Uh, two trades here. I'll try, I'll, let me let me get reminded here. The first one, somebody was down bad. They're zero two. They wanted Amon Ross, St. Brown. I already have Tyree Kill and Justin Jefferson. You traded Amon Ross, St. Brown. I got T. Higgins and I got uh, I got James Connor out of it. I, my only rb1 was nick Chubb. i didn't really have a true rb1 out of it so yes mm-hmm. when you have justin jefferson tyree kill you, <sighs> you can you can move raw. uh so that's what i did Nope, um i'm i'm sticking with it don't make me think i regret this and then the other one <laughs> the other trade that i did was uh who, what was the other one here let me pull it up um nobody cares about our fantasy football teams but the other trade <laughs> the other trade was uh, Damian Pierce and DK Metcalf is what I received. I gave up Jahan Dotson, Jeff Wilson Jr., and Brandon Ayuk, and those were all players that I got off waivers. So I didn't lose anybody I drafted for them. Uh, so that was huge, uh, just getting Damian Pierce because he's on all the fantasy football, like, insights they are, like, pick him up now. Like, he, they're going to go to him a lot. He's going to be Houston's workhorse, so. Excited to get that for sure.
2: Well, you're betting on you're betting on Damian Pierce. You want to bet on uh, any of the other NFL slate? Uh, NFL is in full action swing, or NFL action is in full swing here. DraftKings Sportsbook and the official online sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL team and win two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. That's not enough. uh, Anyone and everyone can boost their winnings with the DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. That's just doubling and doubling. Uh, With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on a stepped up same game parlay once per game all season long. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you want to, so make some good money on, say so you do like Damian Pierce. You can throw a uh, parlay together with the Texans winning and Damian Pierce scoring a touchdown. Uh, that's kind of one way to, to do a same-game parlay. Uh, so if you're looking to do that, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See notes for details.
1: All right. During the college basketball offseason, we've been breaking down either by ourselves or with a guest that is knowledgeable about a certain team, the top 25 teams from last season, team by team and previewing them for the upcoming season. We'll talk about roster movements, staff changes, and other impactful events for each team. This week's team is the Gonzaga Bulldogs, and we are joined by Stephen Carr, the video broadcast and production coordinator for Gonzaga. Stephen, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on such short notice. Uh, I think it was like Sunday night that a message was like, you know, it's a long shot, but here we go. And I actually, I'm really excited about this because we typically only have like a podcast host or, you know, YouTube channel host. But somebody that's within the program itself, that's like, that's pretty rare, uh, as a guest. So I think this, this episode should stand out for a lot of reasons being one being in Zaga, but two being that you are very knowledgeable on the, on the ground level of this program. So we're excited to talk about it and we won't waste any more time. So let's talk about last season here. I mean, remarkable season went 28 and four, 13 and one in the conference, finished first in the conference, uh, first in AP top 25 and first in Kempom. So, Obviously, the Sweet 16 aside, did it live up to your expectations or did it exceed or did it kind of undermine your expectations? What do you think of last year's team?
0: Well, I think for better or worse at this point, Gonzaga gets judged by their NCAA tournament results. And a Sweet 16 obviously fell a little bit short of what they were anticipating. Um, But it's really, really hard to say that a twenty-eight and four season with a sweet sixteen is like negative. But that's kind of where Gonzaga is at this point. Yeah. Um, especially over the last seven years, is if you don't get past the sweet sixteen, then that's considered negative by the outside world. Um and obviously internally too, it's like, yeah, they had Final Four aspirations and they played one really poor game, or at least they shot really poorly. I didn't think they played that that poorly defensively, but um the people who normally made shots got the same shots that they had shot all season long and they just missed them. And sometimes you have those games and unfortunately it came against an Arkansas team that was playing really well at the time. And that's the nature of the beast of the tournament. You run into somebody or you have one off night, your season's over and it kind of sucks. It's,
2: that's it's actually something I was curious about is so like, obviously we're Kentucky fans. So we are as like used to a very critical fan base on their own team uh, especially coming off a first round exit, but I feel like that, or I guess just does Gonzaga get the same amount of crap from their own fans about the lack of? Oh, I, I don't even want to say postseason success because you all have a ton of postseason success, but just like the inability to get to the actual championship is that something that is prevalent in terms of frustration? within the Gonzaga fan base as it is like kind of something that the media
0: and other fan bases use to kind of poke fun at Gonzaga about? Uh, I think it's, it's it depends, I think, on how long you've been a Gonzaga fan. Because (laughs) if you've been a Gonzaga fan for more than the last five to seven years, your kind of look at the program is much different. Like if you had told people in the early 2000s or mid 2000s, or even late 2000s, that they would have gone to the Sweet 16 seven straight years, have two national championship appearances, they would have told you you're out of your mind. Um, And so the fact that they're doing this, you know, internally, most Gonzaga fans have perspective on that and say that what they're doing is incredible and they're one of the top programs in the nation. Externally, there's a lot of people that are just in this mentality that's like, oh, championship or bust, championship or bust. Um, and just the nature of how Gonzaga is um, playing in the West Coast Conference and getting 30-win seasons, for better or worse, the the external expectation from a lot of people is unrealistic. It's like championship or bust, you know, win a championship or kind of get out of here. I don't want to keep hearing about Gonzaga, which is completely unfair to um, the team that is, you know, top five in the country every year. So. Yeah, um, yeah I- internally, a, le- a lot of Gonzaga fans are very defensive about the program just because of how the, you know they used to be, uh, like a scrappy underdog. We used—I don't know how much you guys know about Gonzaga history, but Gonzaga almost left all of Division One sports before they went on their Elite Eight run in 1999. Like, if that run didn't happen, there's a legitimate chance that Gonzaga as That's a crazy. Division One program does not exist whatsoever. Um, so like to go from that to where they are now, 23, 24 years later, whatever it is, is, is unbelievable.
2: Well, I, I we can't relate to having a program with fans that have perspective. So I'll just say that sounds nice. Uh, cause
0: that would <laughs> be nice to, to, to be fair. We obviously want to win the national championship. Like, yes. All of us yeah, still want yeah. to win the national championship, but well, yeah, and, I and it's it's a... Kentucky fans
1: there's an averages thing too. I mean, like the more like you the odds are going to be in more in your favor, the more sweet 16s you guys go to, you know what I mean? It's not like, Gosh. it's not, not like that you're just true. going to, the, it's not like you're going to the sweet 16 and then dropping out and then not going back for another five years. You're consistently there. And it's, and and this podcast, especially, but a lot of people that we know, Really have the mindset of like it takes a lot of luck to win, to win it all. And uh, so, I mean, for you guys, like you're right there. Um, everyone wants to hate on you, but that, that means you're doing something right. So it's easy to hate on teams that do that are just successful. So uh, that that's just the nature of the beast there. So
2: uh, well, we're really just we're really just mad that we can't get to number one in Ken anymore because Gonzaga just is there and stays there.
1: Yeah, because they're super efficient in everything they do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's like from a fan's perspective inside the program. What was the feeling last year for you? Do you think? Like, can you can you give a little insight there? I mean, it
0: was disappointment, obviously. Um, yeah. I think more than anything, I think that that game was just kind of like shell shock. Um, there was just there was something off about it, really, from halftime on. Um, and and I guess in this, in the arena too, um, there just, there wasn't the energy of a sweet 16 game, which is kind of strange to say, um, especially they were playing in the same region as Duke. So obviously so much attention was going on to coach K's, um, final season and all that. And that game against Arkansas, Just was kind of flat. And so when it ended, I don't think anybody in Gonzaga's fan base was expecting to lose to Arkansas. Um, And so it was just weird. It was a weird feeling. Um, It was different than other tournament losses um, where you can kind of feel like anger or disappointment or something like that. This one just kind of felt like strange, like a shell shock kind of strange. I don't know how to explain that. No, I, I
1: think I think every team has had one of those losses at least in the tournament. Most teams have had one of those losses before. I, I I think I could see I could pack I could picture what you're saying there. I mean, um, that was yeah. how I felt
2: after UK lost in 2015 when they were 38 0 and lost yeah. to Wisconsin. Like, I had friends over that weekend, uh, like from college. We'd come up, and I literally just like sat on the couch for like 45 minutes, and was just like, I don't know what to do.
1: Right yeah, now. I think everyone was kind of like. Coincidentally, everyone was looking on to Duke, you know. So yeah. uh, I think it's kind of the same vibe. Duke just does that to people They take you out the game before instead of their, in their game, I guess. So, <laughs> all right, so let's talk about some of the departing players here. Um, the biggest name that that left is obviously Chet Holmgren. Went to OKC. As you can see, I'm wearing my Magic hat. Uh, I was a big <laughs> fan of Chet Holmgren. I, I was he was on top of my board for sure the day of the draft when. There was the rumors that Jabari Smith was being picked by the Magic guy was going through a lot of emotions, uh, and Dow can attest to that. Talk about Chet Holmgren, watching him play in person, just what that does. You know, I mean, like, it, have you ever seen a talent like that before in person?
0: Uh, no. Um, it, it's... I've seen Brandon Clark in person and him and Chet Holmer are the best two rim protectors I've ever watched at the college level. Yeah. Um, But Brandon Clark's offensive game was very different than Chet's Uh, for Chet to be a a legit seven feet. Like if you stand next to him, you're, you're looking up and I'm six, four, six, five, and I'm still looking up at him. Um, (laughs) So for him to do what he does and stretch the floor um, and also be just the most insane shot blocker. And, you know, people, ragged on his size because he's skinny or whatever. But, like, he he is physical and holds his own um, on the interior. So, yeah, he was um, really just a joy to watch. Uh, it, we'll see what, you know, his injury rehab is like. But, like, his game is going to translate, I think, really well in the NBA because he's an elite transition offensive basketball player. Uh, like, he was unbelievable uh, either bringing the ball up in transition or just spotting up in transition. Like, his transition threes – probably over 40, 45% for the season. Um, so I think his his game is going to translate really well to the NBA, and it was awesome to see him at Gonzaga as well. He and Victor Wimbanyama are going to be awesome. Uh, It'll be crazy if they're on the it's same team, man. It'll be crazy if they're on the same It's going to happen. That's why I'm, I'm convinced. it was an
1: injury. It was exactly. Sam Presti. And now yeah. you see the news about Shea Gildress Alexander today with the MCL oh. sprain or whatever. Oh, this oh no. Is all, this is Sam Presti's like, it's all coming we're gonna, together. We're going to have
0: to lose. It's all yeah. coming together. Chet, Chet and Victor played against each other. Um, yeah. One the, oh, I watched that game so like so 10 like, times two years <laughs> ago. <laughs and it's just, there's so much length. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely it's, ridiculous. It's and they're both
1: good in transition. They both have like a good handle. Like you don't have to worry about them dribbling the ball, which like you typically do with, oh. you know, length like that. It's, it's unfair. It's not going to be fun to play OKC in a couple of years at all. But yeah. All right. So let's talk about some of the other departing players. Not too many. Typically we talk lot, a lot more, uh, but there's only, I mean, the two biggest names were Chet and Andrew Nimhardt. And then you had Matthew Lang and Will Graves, who are graduates, who who averaged like a point a game. So um, Andrew Nimhard came from Florida, transferred to Gonzaga. I think he filled the assignment that he was called to do at Gonzaga. What do you, what do you think about him there
0: and his time at Gonzaga? Yeah, and then some. Uh, yeah. Mark Hugh called him um, the best point guard he's ever had in ball screens. Just an absolute maestro. And I think, honestly, they, they can make up. Chet's production for the most part, not necessarily his, his rim protection, but his offensive skills they will make up um, with the roster that they have this year. Andrew Nemhar's loss is probably um, a little bit more important in terms of the overall structure of um, the roster because they're essentially bringing in, or not bringing in, but they're using um, an incoming sophomore named Nolan Hickman who's going to have to take a huge step up
1: we have the old guard
0: spot. And so um, they have had just an incredible run of really, really experienced guards. And this year they're going to rely really heavily on a sophomore who's a little bit inexperienced. So it'll be really interesting to see kind of how Nolan Hickman steps in to that role. He's a former five star player. You guys know it all about Nolan Hickman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, no, I think that's the, the most interesting spot on this roster this year is the point guard spot, um, going from essentially four years of Kevin Pangos to four years of Josh Perkins to uh, a fifth-year transfer in Ryan Woolridge in the 2020 COVID season, and then two years of Andrew Nemhard, who was already an upperclassman. Like, that's a lot of upperclassmen, experienced, um, mature point guards, and now – It's uh, a sophomore um, who's going to be ready because if there's anything Mark View and his staff has um, just excelled at over, you know, these 25 years, it's having freshmen and sophomores take just enormous jumps after learning from great players in front of them for a season. Yeah. Um, And so that's kind of what Nolan Hickman is going to do this year, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting.
2: I was looking at, at their... Ken Palm page, and they have the little thing like below uh, the player stats that has their depth chart of the last five games. And normally it's like, oh, you, for each team you'll have like two or three guys at each position because the way Ken Pom does it, it's it's not it's not like overly accurate. It's kind of a lot of it's based on height, but literally ninety nine percent of the minutes that it has logged over like the last five games, which would essentially be. The last two games of the, um, my like conference tournament and then the the tournament games. Andrew Nimhart is the only person that's listed at the one. There's no one else that yeah. it has like playing any minutes at the one for them. So, yeah, I mean it's it's a huge. He
0: was, I think it said he was like third in minutes played this year in conference play. He was um, he was basically playing forty minutes a game down yeah. the stretch of the season. And I think right. outside of the um, the first round game, I think he sat a couple minutes at the end, but he played all 40 against Memphis and he played all 40 against Arkansas.
1: Yeah. It's just tough to replace that. Very tough. Yeah.
0: Especially with that, you know, just that the level of talent
1: that he already had, plus the experience, it's going to be very hard to replicate that. Uh, so let's talk about the returning players here. Uh, we, we know what we're going to get out of Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, Give us some of the you know the guys that were averaging the single digits. Like, Let us know what, what to expect from these guys. We talked about Nolan Hickman a little bit. Let us know which guys you, you expect to see make that leap
0: besides Nolan Hickman. Yeah, so we talked about Hickman. The other one that everybody is really, really excited about is Hunter Salas. He was also uh, a five-star recruit coming in last year out of Nebraska, and um, his offseason has been really, really good. Um, He's gotten much more explosive. His shot looks a lot better than it did last year. He's a really, really, really good defender. And you saw that in the minutes that he played last season. Um, And so he is going to most likely step in uh, into a a rotation role with heavy minutes this year. Um, And so people are really, really excited about him. Anton Watson is going to be a senior this year. And he's just kind of been steady all three seasons or two and a half seasons. He missed a lot of his freshman year with injury. Um, but he's just really, really steady with what he does. Um, super scrappy, great defender, good rebounder, uh, finishes well around the basket. Uh, and and his off season, he has extended his range more consistently. So it'll be interesting to see um, kind of the growth of his offensive game. Um, and then the the one wild card that everybody is kind of of looking at is Dominic Harris. Uh, because he came in with Julian Strother and Jalen Suggs in 2020, and they call themselves the Tricky Trio. Um, And he committed to Gonzaga back in like 2018 or something. So he's been a Zag for a long time, and he had a a solid freshman year, but he missed all of last season with a foot injury. And so he's coming back from that injury now, and he is like a prototypical 3 and D guard, really good shooter, really active hands, good length. Um and so we're gonna see kind of where he's able to slot in because they've got a lot of guards on this team. They've got yeah. Dominic Harris, like I mentioned, they got Salas, they got Hickman, they've got Bolton who came back, and then um, we'll touch on the incoming players in a second. But they also have Malachi Smith. Um, so there's just there is a lot of guard talent, and so it's gonna be really interesting to see kind of how the rotation shakes out with all those guys.
2: It's it's yeah. nice just to hear they have another shooter coming in because that was one of the things I had kind of noticed is outside of Strother and Bolton, who shot 30, essentially 37% and 46%, 46% on 139 threes is crazy for Bolton. But outside of those two guys, your best returning shooter is Hunter, or is Nolan Hickman, who was, who shot almost 83s and was only a 31% three-point shooter. So I was curious, like, yeah, it's a, a lot of these guys have really great, Two point percentages, but was curious like where they're going to kind of get that spacing and get the that three point shot. But if, if yeah, they didn't no, come that's a good question. And, and
0: obviously, Chet Holmgren stretched the floor when he was when he was out there too. Yeah. Strather is a great shooter. Bolton's a great shooter. Bolden's one of the best shooters in the country last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then Hickman is actually quite a good shooter. He just didn't play a ton, especially down the stretch last year. Yeah. Um, but he was he's a he's a really good shooter. Salas, we'll see. Um, he he, like I said, he had a really good offseason. He, he he worked on his jump shot. We'll kind of see where that leads. But Malachi Smith is also a really really good shooter, um, and played really well at Chattanooga. And he is elite in transition as well, which is where Gonzaga gets a lot of their points. Um, so I don't I don't think there's a huge concern uh, at the three point line, um, just because of how good Julian Strother and Roshier Bolton are. Uh, I mean they're basically. Made up, like you said, a lot of their three point shooting last year, and both of them yeah. are back. Um, and then you add in Nolan Hickman, who's probably a better three point shooter than Andrew Nemhard was. Um, and then you add in Malachi Smith as well. Like that's if if that ends up being your starting lineup, those four plus Drew Timmy, you're essentially got the best, arguably the best. Post player yeah. in the game. Yeah, watch, watch your tongue there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Arguably the best post player in the game surrounded by four shooters. Um, yeah. and So that'll be really interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, well, like, you,
1: you touched on Malachi Smith. Go ahead, Dal.
2: Uh, I was just going to say, Andrew Nimhard's three-point percentage is the exact same as his sophomore year before he transferred to Gonzaga, the exact same as Hunter Tallis was last year. So That's interesting. Um, on a couple more attempts, but... We're just around 31%. And, yeah, I mean, he ended up being a 38% three-point shooter. Uh, Nimhard did last year. so
1: Which is respectable. Hopefully, it's not, Yeah, hopefully you that. see yeah. a jump like that. Yeah. You no, know, So you touched on Malachi Smith. Kind of give us a, a breakdown of these incoming players. There's, there's only three that I would found. If there's any more, you know, you have to let me know who they are. But all I could find were Braden Huff, Malachi Smith, and Efton Reed. Uh, let us know what to expect from these guys and how they kind of fit into onto this roster
0: here. Yeah, I mean Malachi Smith. Um, after watching tape of him over uh, this off season, I compared his game a lot to Nigel Williams-Goss, who was Gonzaga's point guard in their 2017 national championship game. That um, he's just he's strong as hell. He's a tenacious driver, really, really good rebounder. Um, can see the ball or can see the court really well. So I think he's going to do wonders, especially alongside Nolan Hickman. Uh, Mark Few has loved to play two point guards next to each other a lot through his 20 years. And some of his best teams are with two point guards at the same time. Both national championship teams that they had in 2017 and 2021 both played and started two point guards. 17 had Goss and Josh Perkins, and then uh, 21 had Jalen Suggs and Andrew Nimhard. So. Um, I think having Malachi Smith and his veteran leadership and his overall skill set is going to be huge um, for those those younger guards that are coming up and Hunter Salas and, and Nolan Hickman. And then Efton Reed is interesting. Um, you guys saw a little bit of Efton Reed uh, when he played for LSU last year. Super, I mean, the dude is huge. Like seeing him on campus, like he is a big, big man, like a legit seven foot, 250, 260. Like he's a thick, thick kid. Um, and so it's interesting seas. to see how he uh, develops his game at Gonzaga. He's not going to be the rim protector that Chet Holmgren was, and they don't necessarily need him to be. Um, but if he is more of a shot alterer, a la Shema Karnowski when he was at Gonzaga, like people didn't want to go inside just because he was there, not necessarily because he blocked shots, but just because of his physical presence. So if Efton Reed can be something like that and then develop his offensive game, um, I think that would be huge. The return of Drew Timmy helps out Efton Reed, I think, immensely because he doesn't have to be a 25, 30-minute-a-night player. Like He's Definitely. probably going to end up playing 12 to 15 minutes behind Drew Timmy. He can develop his game, and then once Drew leaves next year, Efton Reed is going to step in and hopefully become one of the next great big men uh, on Gonzaga's campus. And, and, and then that Bra- that Braden Huff, to sorry, sorry to cut you off. Braden Huff really is good. the third one. He's a true freshman coming in, um, four-star player, in all likelihood, he's going to end up um, kind of just being a, a developmental player this year and then kind of see where his role lies next season. Yeah, I was
1: watching some of his uh, some of his highlights and some of the, the game film that I, I could find on Google yesterday. And that's a, that's a guy that people should get excited for, like you said, not this year, but in the years to come, especially learning, sitting a year behind uh, Drew Timmy, getting that experience in the system. He should fit right in where Efton Reed takes over. Uh, as that lead post player, but then Braden Huff has you know is able to contribute just basically in the Efton Reed role next year. Uh, but with Efton Reed, like the thing about it is that I know like his his size, like it's one of those things where referees just love to call fouls on big men because they're big, and it's not fair to them because they actually aren't fouling, like the taco fall effect. Uh, but yeah, you know, like with him, his size that could definitely hurt him. But that's why the return of Drew Timmy is even more crucial is that you don't have to worry about giving up size when the refs are on something stupid and they call three fouls on him in the first half, you know? So uh, let's, let's do this. Um, Let's do the expectations here for, for Gonzaga the season. Uh, I don't think we really need to do the WCC. If they, they lose a game or two; it's not a huge deal. They'll still have like a seven-game lead on everybody else. Uh, so let's just kind of give your expectations like to start where they're going to be. I know the not the too early top twenty-five is already probably out, but kind of give your expectations of where they'll start the season and kind of where they'll finish before like going into March.
0: Yeah, they'll stop. They'll they'll probably start top three in the country again, um, and their non-conference schedule is. Uh, probably the biggest gauntlet they've, they've put together. Um, they get in like a four week period. They get Michigan State. They play at Texas. They play at Alabama. They play Kentucky. Uh, they play Baylor and then they play the PK 85. Um, they start with Portland State, which obviously isn't necessarily a juggernaut, but their um, semifinal game would be against the power school. And then if it all work out, their championship game would be against Duke. So there is a possibility. I mean, if you're you are just hope it doesn't work out. Then, <laughs> if you are just talking about, you know, the powers of the sport, like in a three and a half week stretch, they could play Michigan State, Duke, Kentucky, and Baylor, like bang, 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 yeah. bang, and then also play two road games at Texas and Alabama. Like that is obviously it doesn't happen in February when everybody is kind of clicking on the way to March, but to to have those games prepares you for March, regardless. Um, so we'll kind of see how good they are, you know, right away. Um, I, I do have obviously high expectations when you've got one of the two or three best players in all of college basketball on your team. And then you've got probably in Julian Strother, a first round pick next season. Um, you've got a four-year guy in Malachi Smith coming in. You've got one of the best shooters in the country in Regier Bolton. You've got another four-year senior in Anton Watson, who's been super, super steady. And then you've got the sophomores who are just, chomping at the bit to, to kind of take over their spots and, and are hungry for bigger roles. And I think they're going to play well. So Gonzaga, like I said, it kind of at the start of this, I mean they're getting one and two seeds pretty consistently at this point and for better or worse, um, they are judged by what they do in March. Um, and obviously this team, just like the last couple have national championship aspirations and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree, I agree
1: with that. I think they'll, like we know, they'll start top three, probably number one if I had to guess, just because of the amount of minutes that they're returning, uh, for that roster experience, they're returning a whole lot of minutes. Um, I think I think they might drop a game or two in the in the non conference just because, like you said, it's a it's a gauntlet, and then it's hard for them to build it back up with the conference that they're in. But just because they lose in November or December doesn't mean that. They don't show. They won't string together like a really good stretch of games, probably like eighteen games. To be honest, that that they'll uh, they'll get the favorable seeding and and rightfully so, considering their success the last few years. It's not like it's some random team like St. Mary's last year or BYU at, at one point last year. You know, it's it's the uh, it's the fact that they've been there year in and year out that they'll that'll that'll help them and stay with the, probably like a one or two
0: seed, like you said. So I and- mean. Just to, to give to a, a, a like quick one, shout sure. out, a quick shout out to the WCC. Yeah, if it weren't for Gonzaga, I think the WCC would be much more respected as like a, a legitimately good conference. It's just Gonzaga is just so far above a lot of the teams that it kind of it makes it hard for everybody to understand how talented the conference is. Um, so like l- last year, they had six different postseason teams. Yeah, I don't know how many people know that. Like the conference continues to grow. It's just when they see, you know, Santa Clara, who almost won the NIT last year and was just poorly. produced a top, a top 15 pick in the NBA, when they see them go against Gonzaga and lose by 30, it's like, well, the WCC's trash. It's like Santa Clara beat like multiple power schools last yeah. year. Like that's a yeah. good team. You know who it's else just, lost by get... 30 is UCLA. You
1: know what I mean?
0: Like, <laughs> it's like, but they don't
1: give crap for UCLA about that, you know? But, Correct. Uh, but uh, no, no, I, that, that we, was just my, my, my soapbox
0: on, on the WCC. No, Sorry, continue. we,
1: we agree with you on that. We, I, I, had had, I had a tracker on it last year of counting how many tournament teams they could potentially have and keeping, keeping track of that. And at one point, it was tied with the ACC, which obviously was a down year in the regular season, but had the best you know NCAA tournament showing uh, when it was all said and done. But you know, like it was like they were like almost tied with tournament teams with between all the, you know everybody that was making it. But yeah, what are we gonna say, Dal? I
2: was gonna say I I know that Connor definitely did as well, but I was going say I, I caved pretty hard for both St. Mary's. Santa Clara and San Francisco all last year, yeah, uh, and made sure to bring up that they were actually good. And like you said, whenever you are coming in and playing on Zag every year, and that's why the only game that people tune into and they see, oh, you get beat by twenty. It's like, okay, why do I care? But yeah, Uh, I the the, the West West Coast Conference was Ken Palm had it down slightly. I had it as a ninth best conference, but I mean, you could argue that it was on par with, like, the Pac-12
1: last year, which is saying something. Outside of Arizona, the Pac-12 was not good last year. And so, I mean, like, at least with that, you know, like, (laughs) WCC had, I think, had better tournament teams showing that just, unfortunately, they didn't make the cut to the actual tournament. Same number of NCAA tournament teams as
2: the Pac-12.
1: Yeah, so – um, I think they could have had more that would probably would have been better than the Pac-12, but neither here nor there. Uh, so, yeah, let's move on to the all-time Gonzaga starting five and six, man. So we don't have to go and set order, like, who's your point guard or whatever. Just, what like, just let's – we'll do our positions, but when you think Gonzaga basketball, who was the first person that you think of?
0: Oh, geez. <laughs> um Man, it's. I think for me, it's Adam Morrison. It's got to be but that. Yeah, it's probably just because that's kind of who I grew up watching. Was it's him. got to be a lot, I of, like that, a lot of people still say John Stockton, depending on how far you go back um, in the program. But I think most people would would still say uh, Adam Morrison.
2: Yeah, I forgot about him. I think that you ask most people, like it's especially Morrison. people around our age, and it's Adam Morrison. Yeah, it?
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so so we're gonna put him on there.
0: Uh, What's the next player you think? Well, uh, this is uh, difficult because there's so many, and I kind of made a a starting five based on what I think would be the best team as opposed to possibly the best or the most knowledgeable or whatever five players. Yeah, that's Um, fun. So we'll do this. we got to do this quickly because i got to give my my kid a bath. Yeah, Um, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I went – John Stockton, Nigel Williams-Goss, Adam Morrison, Chet Holmgren, Brandon Clark. That would be my Gonzaga starting five, and then Dan Dicko as my sixth man. I like
1: it. I, I mean, that, I'm gonna that override makes sense the to
0: sixth me.
2: man and make it Kyle Wilcher since yeah. he is an the <laughs> Cat Connection. I, saying, I love I it. Right.
1: <laughs> I, was, I was gonna National say, can we, can we throw Kyle <laughs> Wilcher in there, please?
0: <laughs> I also you just, just always it. forget that Demontis Sabonis went to Gonzaga. Yeah, he was. Yeah. A, freaking beast man he should probably be on there too but i went with brandon clark over him Uh, that's 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 both of those guys deserve absolute consideration i love them both yeah so all right well we won't keep you any longer
1: go give your kid a bath uh we appreciate you coming on let our followers know where they could follow you and keep up with gonzaga this season so that way they get the inside scoop where can we find you on
0: twitter yeah, absolutely. The Twitter handle is at S car That's at S K A R R G zero S car Perfect.
1: Easy, easy to remember. Just think the snails. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, Stephen, we appreciate you coming on, taking the time to come out and talk to us. And uh, if there's anything else you want to shout out, go for it. And if not, then we will talk to you later.
0: All good. You guys do good work. Appreciate you having me on. Appreciate, appreciate it you, so much. All right. It's time for the last call.
1: Episode's almost over. Dal, what do you have for us tonight?
0: Um.
1: I don't know. I don't really have a ton. Um, I've been
2: enjoying football. I don't know. Do you have anything? Um, I yeah, to back up yours.
1: Yeah, you and I are, are millennials tr- uh, through and through, correct? <sighs>
2: I don't know. I'm like right on the edge and I, I feel like it's conflicting whether or I not feel I'm a like, millennial or I feel like you're whatever, more millennial.
1: The... I feel like you're a millennial. You're older than I am and I identify as millennial. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, but I'm tired of all the crap that millennials are taking, especially at TikTok. They're like, I saw one a day that was like, you got to stop using boomerang on Instagram. First of all, no. Second of <laughs> all, <laughs> like second of all, if there's a feature on Instagram that's widely used by like everyone on Instagram, it's okay to use it. Like you can do things that are popular, and you know what? Stop not capitalizing your letters, Gen Z. Like just use capitals. You know, like you're not that cool. You're not that guy. I so. overuse capitals. Yeah, so same. I guess that does make me a millennial. Uh, it doesn't matter. Like you can have proper grammar through like s- social media and texting. Like it's okay. Like no one thinks less of you for using capitals. And you know what? Nobody like, I feel like Gen Z thinks that every millennial was like a Fred. Like you remember Fred on YouTube, like, cause he's a millennial. I don't know a single millennial that liked Fred. Everybody was annoyed by him. You know who liked Fred? Zoomers. The gens, like that's what his videos were targeted for. So if you're making fun of Fred style millennials, you're making fun of yourself because you're the ones that gave him views. That's my rant for the day. I'm done. I had nothing to do with beer (laughs) basketball, but I'm just pissed off at Zoomers freaking hating (laughs) on millennials. So, you know, suck it, millennials, or not millennials, Zoomers, (laughs) suck it. (laughs) I thought I was going to be able to piggyback off yours, and I definitely do not have anything (laughs) else to say on that. Um, also I'm treating this podcast more like a bar now and I have like snacks like like bar oh, that's nuts. A good idea. Yeah, I found these at the at the liquor stores, hot honey crunch like nuts and snacks and stuff is great. Uh, might not be, good be my for last call. ASMR. Please <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> that's some millennial of you. Hey. I'm adult um, today. That's millennial of me. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: we need to start getting snacks on the pod. That's a that is that is a good one.
1: Snack review. Maybe we'll do that. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> is that your last no. call? Is that we need to do yeah. more snacks yep. on the pod? <laughs> yep, that'll be it. We can do that as our last call. More snacks. Alright, more snacks. More snacks. Alright. Don't follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Beers and Buckets Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're watching on YouTube. Go play the episode on Spotify or Apple Music or, um, I think, Google Podcasts and iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts uh, besides YouTube. Go play it on there. Give us a little uh, play so we get a little money in our pocket whenever that comes. And then, yeah, uh, like, rate, leave a review, share this episode, and check out the Basketball Podcast Network on Twitter for more shows like this one. This has been a fun episode. I've laughed a lot. I've learned a lot about Gonzaga basketball. Had to suck up to uh, to our guest there and pander to him a little bit. But you know what? I like Steven. He seemed like a good guy. And maybe I'll hate Gonzaga a little bit less this season. Gonzaga deserves to, like, Gonzaga deserves to get sucked up, sucked up to. They're really good. Yeah, definitely really good. That's the annoying part about them is because they're good. You know, that – Enough, Huff, like, they find the one, like, they're the new Duke. They find the, the 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 best white guy that they can, and they're going to roll with him for, like, four years.
2: Yeah. Whenever, as soon as Steven was like, oh, he's just going to be, like, some bench piece that we don't really have to use at all. I'm like, ugh, that's gross. You get to just sit a four-star for, like, two years. And then I know. Get like, good. not
1: fair. <laughs> not fair. I wish you could do that.
2: Yeah. Um, also, Dad, if you're listening, uh, I introduced my dad to podcasts in general. Uh a couple of week, weekends ago, and I told him I was recording today, and he was like, oh, when, what time? I was like, yeah, we're starting at around 9 o'clock. He goes, okay, I'll listen. And I was like, I don't think that you – that's not how this works. So I was like – We'll start doing live yeah. recordings where you can – I was like, it comes in. out – it comes out. Like, Connor has to, like, edit it and everything. It comes out. It'll probably come out tomorrow morning. Uh, so, Dad, if you've gotten to this point, uh, give me a call and tell me how you like the podcast.
1: <laughs> And uh, also, shout out to my liquor store, Lucan's, where I got the delicious bar snacks and the beer. Let's go. Um, I gave them a sticker, and I think her name's Jen. I forget the other guy's name, but they're like, well, listen tonight if you give us a shout out. So, um, I mean, obviously, they're going to have to listen to the very end to hear the shout out, but Lucan's...
2: That's good good business right there.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. So, I gave you all the sticker. This is my shout out to Lucan's Liquor in Tarpon Springs. So... Thank you, and have a good day. (laughs) You guys have a fantastic week. We'll be back next week. I think we'll talk about uh, a conference, probably starting with the letter A. We just got to decide which one, and we'll go from there. So we'll figure it out and talk about it. But we will be talking about a conference of some sort next week. So tune back in. You'll hear more about all the teams in that conference, whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, you'll be more knowledgeable than probably any of your friends on college basketball this season, which will make mean absolutely nothing come March because we don't know anything. So. Hey, we yeah. know a lot. We know a uh, lot, but I still probably got bounced in my bracket challenge last year because. I basketball. had Iowa <laughs> and UK in the final. So that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah.
2: If you, if there is something that you would like to hear us cover in the off season, though, whether it's college, MBA, anything in between, um, let us know. Cause. We're definitely still kind of in the planning process for the rest of the the offseason. So um, definitely have some some time to fill. And if you all are looking to hear anything, uh, we're more than happy to take suggestions.
1: Crazy enough, we have like two months left before college basketball is back in our lives. So yes, we're right there. We'll we'll get through this time together, so let us know what you want to hear. We'll talk about it. We'll get some guests on that that is more knowledgeable than we are about those conferences or those teams, and yeah, let us know. Have a a great week, and that's the bottom line, because Connor said so. Peace out.